Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You are listening to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. Swung in and lined to deep left field. It is gone! It went! Deep right! Batista's going to wave goodbye! Start the fireworks show! This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 160. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and on this week's episode... You may have heard of a little trade that happened last week. Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco are now members of the Mets. Talk about their legacy with Cleveland and the return they got with Ahmed Abrazario and Andres Jimenez. Talk about the state of the team. And of course, we'll answer your questions. Join me for all that and more. It's Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how you doing? Hey, I'm great. And you? Oh, going great. My favorite baseball team is doing really good things. It's really great. The Pirates, uh, right? And I remember you saying a while back you were a huge <laughs> I believe Pirates a Huge fan. Pirates fan. It's a big old Bucks I think, fan. I think I talked about it with Jason before you came on, but I actually used to have a pirate's hat when I was little, and then like a clown touched it at like a parade, and then I lost the hat and I cried for like a whole day. So now I hate the pirates. It's it like, turns out it's the pirates who are the clowns, man. It turns out that that's 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 the real truth we found here. Not you nor that clown, but the pirates. The, the real the, clowns were the, the friends we made along the way. That, yeah, I'm great. I was trying to think of a good movie I saw this weekend, and then I realized I didn't watch any movies this weekend. So, sorry, I don't have any good reports for you in Merritt's Movie Corner. Uh, I could I could tap <laughs> into some past viewings. Uh, I finally watched Gone Girl. Really? Just now yeah. watched Gone Girl? Shut up. I don't watch movies a lot, all right? <laughs> Wasn't that great at the beginning, not to watch it several years later? Uh, you're wrong. I enjoyed it, and you're wrong. I believe you. That's fine. You can't leave Merritt. You know why? Do you, do you know why, why you can't leave Merritt? Why? Ugh. It's time for me. Of course, we serve everybody little uh, little tidbits of information over the plate. Spicy um, meatball. <laughs> this time of year, we're doing classic meatballs where we look at old things, basically, because there's nothing going on. But, uh, Mary, I'll let you to take yours first because mine's going to kind of segue into our, our next section. So you can start with yours. All right, man. I'm uh, starting a little sub series within the meatball. <laughs> Under, oh, underneath the we're going to have a meatball <laughs> lore chart pretty soon with a hierarchy. and. <laughs> I need to, I don't know. I just got bored earlier and I started researching like really stupid games uh, and performances in um, in Cleveland baseball history. And, you know, just like weirdly outsized performances. What the hell was going on here? This doesn't make any sense in anyone's context. And so I want, I, I want you to give me your opinion once I explain what I'm talking about here about this game that was pitched by Tom Candiotti back in 1988. Now, Candiotti pitched a complete game. Which normally, when a team, when a player pitches a complete game, he's having a great game. Correct? Typically, if he's going to go nine innings, he's doing pretty well for himself. I would think. Wouldn't you say so? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of factors, but yeah, mostly if you're okay. Well, anyway, away. he he gave up twelve hits and six earned runs. Uh, he threw 151 pitches in those nine innings. <laughs> <Jesus>. now, 
Now, Cleveland ended up winning uh, 12 to 6, extending their record to a league best at the time, I believe, 15 and 4 in uh, late April. That was that weird year they had where they like were they, they were suddenly we were considering them like uh, future contenders before they fell back into the toilet for a couple of years. Um, anyway, what do you think? Would, I, I tried to look into it. Um, Cleveland.com could have been demanding that I give them money. And I said, no, Cleveland.com, you'll get no money from me. Uh, I don't believe in local journalism. Only blogs and podcasters from Brooklyn is all I care about. That's who I give money to. Uh, give us money. I'm not from Brooklyn. Uh what do you think was going on in this game? I mean, do you think that the manager was mad at him? Now, to, for a little bit more context, the Mariners scored two runs in the first and then four in the third, and then he shut them out the rest of the game. Uh, the Indians scored two in the first, five in the fourth, four in the fifth, and one in the seventh uh, off the back of several different home runs off of from Joe Carter and Jay Bell. Uh, among many others. I don't know. What do you think was going on with this? Would you call this a stupid game? He was actually was a negative um, win win probability added was Candiotti at the time. So interesting stuff, I thought. What do you think? Uh, Was it... I'm trying to. I don't know. Was it just like a doubleheader, like two doubleheaders in a row, like two days in a row or something? No, I mean, I I can't... I can't see any goddamn reason why this happened. (laughs) Why do they just... Did they just forget they had a bullpen? Um... They had a bullpen in 1988. It was still a thing. Uh, I don't know if it was good or not. I'll look it up right now. It was okay. They had a guy named Doug Jones, you know, the vice president from OCP. Uh, <laughs> they had some other players as well. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Candiotti was good that year. 328 ERA, 14-8. Uh, pitched 216 innings. I believe I looked into it, and if this game hadn't have happened, instead of a 328 ERA, he would have had a 294 ERA, I think, my math, if my math is correct. So it did definitely impact him, but just a I don't know, weird When was game. it in the season? Was it like in the middle uh, of the April, season or towards the end? No, or? April 26th, early oh. in the season. <laughs> Jesus, I, mean, I don't know. The manager was Doc Edwards. Uh, Cleveland was, as I mentioned, 15-4 and four after that win, and they ended 78-84. and 84. So they definitely hit a bit of a swoon. I wonder if their starting pitching got tired. That would be an interesting thing to look into, I suppose. Maybe I'll look into that next week. Anyway. I thought that was a fun, weird, shitty thing. He was a negative impact on a team that ended up on a game that ended up winning and threw 154 pitches, which is the third most recorded by a Cleveland pitcher in history. Um, there you go. <laughs> in a totally normal, sane game. That's yeah, totally, totally normal. He was yeah. he was a 5.7 win guy that year, second on the team behind Greg Swindell, another pitcher. Um, you didn't think you'd like dump that kind of game on your worst pitcher, not. Not literally the second best pitcher on your team. Yeah, like maybe John Farrell should have been doing that or Rich Yett or Scott Bales, the the wily lefty. Or Or Sam McDowell. I don't care if he didn't play that. He should have been doing it. I mean, Bud Black was was a pitcher on that team. He started seven games, for God's sake. (laughs) So, you know. Anyway, neat stuff, I thought. Kind of a weird outlier of a game. Um, We'll look into more of these as we move through the uh, offseason. Um, so I'm going to cheat for mine in, in several ways because uh, it's one I just wrote a post on, and two, it's not a classic one. I'm not, it's not a moldy meatball. It's just they're, sort they're of calling him meatball, cheat but... ball Matt. So here we go. Go ahead. <laughs> so mine is about um, Ahmed Rosario. Maybe you've heard of him. He was a former Mets prospect. He was a top prospect for a while, like number two, number three in baseball. Um, Mar- I don't know if you heard about this, but he got traded to the Indians, the Cleveland Indians of all teams, for well, Francisco it, Lindor. It stands to reason this could have no tying to Cleveland so far, though, on account of. 
uh, he has yet to do a single thing. <laughs> Correct. So. Yes. But, uh, but last, yeah, like last year, like everybody else, he played a shortened season. Um, one, one of the big things about Rosario coming up um, through the minors and especially after he debuted when it was clear it was an issue was pitch selection. Uh, he was just really terrible at it in his rookie year. Second year in 2018, it was still pretty bad. And then he just sort of like peaked in 2019 where he was 100 WRC plus player, like dead average. Um, but with his speed and defense, I mean, he was still like a 2.7 more player. So he was perfectly fine. He hit 15 home runs that year. And then last year in the shortened season, he just tanked again. He was just as bad as rookie year. He kept swinging everything outside of the zone. He, he doesn't swing in the zone either. He's, it's not like Tim Anderson where he swings at everything. He just swings at the wrong pitches. He's just bad at identifying pitches apparently. But I, I think there's a, a level of hope we can have for him that he wasn't just um, – that he didn't just suddenly regress. I think because last year, because it was such a short season, um, he saw a huge spike in changeups because the year prior – um, and like every other year, he's seen around like 8% changeups uh, against him. Last year was 14%, 14.9 is basically 15% changeups that he saw. And he faced the Marlins, who are like one of the most changeup heavy teams with Pablo Lopez and Sixto Sanchez. So I, I think looking at Ahmed Rosario, my, my little meatball for him is to not, it's just the changeups. I think it was he his little fluky thing of seeing a ton of changeups last year. He always hits him really weak. So even if he does manage to square him up and, and swing at the right one, he barely ever hits him well. So. With such a weird short season, um, I think that's kind of a thing to point out with Rosario. And sort of a, a similar note, too, with the, the other player there brought over, um, Andres Jimenez, who kind of a weird thing with him. I was looking at someone in the Let's Go Tribe comments mentioned that his projections, like everything else about him is projected to be way better, except his on-base percentage is like several points lower. And I looked into it. The reason is everything else next year is projected like right along the same percentages as this year. But he got hit four times, which is a, uh. a ton over a full season if you extrapolate it out. And like the only difference that dropped his on-base percentage by a bunch is that he is projected to be hit a normal amount of times, not like a Brandon Geyer level. So um, what if, sort of a two-for-one meatball, but that's another interesting one that when you are when you have these short seasons, these little anomaly things can make a big difference because it's the equivalent of like a month in Major League Baseball, but it was just a couple. Um, it was the full season, which is going to look weird forever because it's going to be on their scorecard or their um, – their rundown of stats, but I think there's little things you can just kind of discount because of the weird stuff that happened last year. And I also too, I mean, and this is just something in general I was thinking about for a while this year. I mean, we just saw so much more use of bullpens. I mean, we didn't really because we watched Cleveland and all they do is <laughs> right, yeah, lean on their starting pitching so much, but more generally starters are throwing less and less innings. Part of that was, um, it was more of a you know it was more of a sprint than a, than a marathon like usual and also they just had more players like I think that was the first like two or three weeks whatever it was you could have thirty players so it stands to reason they probably just added three more start um, like relief pitchers and you're going to go to them more often if you're trying to win like like, like I said it's there was a, there was more opportunity to get into the playoffs and there were more slots and um, and as you touched on kind of the the variability of it all the, the, there was a lot more noise so. I mean, again, I, I, it sounds, it still sounds like Rosario is just a, he does hunting fastball, which is when you don't have good recognition skills. <laughs> well, don't get me I wrong. Guess. He absolutely is. <laughs> that oh, is yeah. his and thing. Just, he does not have good pitcher. It looks very, yeah, it looks very ugly when, um, uh, when you are uh, doing that and, and missing blatantly. But yeah, that's, right, that's, yeah. that's, that's something to think about. Yeah. It, uh, it, it kind of, it goes into our, the again, thing we you, can avoid. 
you did cheat oh. on this one um, because this literally happened this year, and I'm very upset with you about this. I was hoping for more garbage about uh, let's just pick a random player's name. <laughs> uh, I don't know more. Gar- I'm, I'm, I'm literally going to do that. I'm going to the 1959 uh, Cleveland. I wanted to hear more about what Woody Held was doing. Woody Held uh, or Vic Power? Oh come on, these are all porn star names. What's going on here? Um, hey, Vic Power, we talked about before. We did, we did. That's true. Yeah, yeah. What a name. <laughs> Uh, Mini Reynoso. Oh, there he is. Rocky Calavito. Look at that handsome boy. Tito Francona. Any of these other characters? These <laughs> Chaparinos. No, no. Ahmed Rosario. That's who I'm going. No, with. no, no. We want to talk about the legend himself, <laughs> Ahmed Rosario. <laughs> yeah, because obviously the, the the big news for Cleveland this week was that uh, they acquired on or Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez, um, and two really low level prospects that were drafted like the year before, Isaiah Green and. Um, what is his first name? Wolf is the pitcher um, who I think was the one that was just drafted this year. So we haven't seen much of, of those two at all. And we won't really until this year, but the other two, Josh obviously Wolf. Uh, Josh Wolf, there you go. Uh, Rosario has been in the league for a little bit. He was, like I mentioned, a top prospect who really faded pretty much right when he came up with the Mets. Um, I mean, like right up until his debut, there was the, the fact that he didn't have a lot of power, but like Francisco Lindor, it was thought that he would just sort of turn it on when he hit the majors um, when he would mature a little more because the thing with him and Jimenez, they're both really, really young at every level, which is the thing the Indians seem to like a lot when yeah. they're going through prospects. Um, but then you have like Rosario, who was who was young at every level, outperformed, and then he just didn't do well in the majors. But then Jimenez is kind of the opposite. He was he was really good in the lower levels. He kind of hit a brick wall in Double A, and then he was a perfectly average hitter um, in the shortened season last year. But like Rosario being really bad, you can't really take Jimenez being average and assume he's going to be that forever just because it was such a weird shortened season. But I don't know. I guess I, we can start with talking about Lindor and Carrasco, the the fact that they're gone now and how much that sucks. Because I think we talked about earlier this offseason that we're sort of, we expected Lindor to be gone, but Carrasco was a really shitty line to cross. <laughs> and now yeah, he's traded. Was, they're both kind of gone. I, I don't know. I guess, and, and I don't want to, you know, I'm sure we've all complained to um, spouses who don't want to listen to us about <laughs> this at all enough over the last several days. <laughs> It just, it just it confused me, I guess. The only, my, the only comment I really have on it is beyond this sucks and I really liked watching Cookie Pitch was I just feel like they could have gotten more for, in two separate deals than lumping it all into one thing only because. Oh, yeah. And it just sucks because we have no leg to stand on when it comes to questioning the Cleveland front office when they make deals because they almost invariably come out ahead. And it just – but with this one, you're just like, how the fuck are they going to come out ahead on this one? <laughs> I mean, this is one where – it felt the most like a salary dump over everything. Right, exactly. Which is just, you know, shitty. And my my, my overall assumption is just that the ownership is um, cutting liabilities as much as possible in advance of a sale to make it a more uh, attractive sale. And then my dad brought up them moving to Nashville, which I was like, all right, I don't find Nashville. <laughs> of all the places. I, I, that one I, I mean, there is a, a push to get a team there, but I, I would I know, assume I just, expansion before somebody moves. But I know. Well, I don't know. Hey, I mean, it was, uh, it, it was the entire... Um, theme or you know storyline or whatever inciting incident in everyone's favorite movie major league so i don't know <laughs> yeah. yeah gotta keep that moving we, we've always got you, there's always got ever since they moved a team to tampa there's always got to be that place that people threaten to move to you know because like the oh yeah it's been nashville forever now. the white Sox, um they, they threatened to move to tampa for before they got their new their beautiful new park back in 1990 but it's hard to yeah, imagine people threatening to go to tampa now with i know right how many people <laughs> attend those games like, 
Well, you, you they, I don't know. They, this is completely off topic. They, they always come out with those sweet like, like mock-ups of what the new stadium's going to be. It's going to be right on the water. It's going to look oh, like yeah. a fucking <laughs> sailboat or something. <laughs> It's gonna and then you get there, big... just the dumpster inside. Yeah, it's just like this is trash. This is a falling <laughs> over orb. What's going on here? This is bad. This is no good. There's great stadiums around there. I, I, you know, I went oh, yeah. there for my bachelor party, and I had some, had had a couple had a blast down there going to minor league games, but no major league for me. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, go, go back to that trade. You know, it sucks just because you feel like they could have gotten something in a different deal because everyone needs pitching and everyone needs a top. I don't know what do you want to call it, twenty five pitcher in baseball. The Lindor thing sucks, but I just, you know, you kind of, we, we kind of made our, I feel like I made my piece with that ages ago. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I wasn't mad about that at all when it happened. I was, I was mad about the Carrasco being tacked yeah. on. Yeah, it, it was also the like fact that. Throwing. Like, it, it should yeah. have been, like, they were going to throw in a pitcher. It should have been like, I don't know who sucks. Uh, someone, I don't know. Some, some relief from <laughs> Phil, Phil Maton or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Somebody. But it, it felt like just a, I don't know. He wasn't. What would they have gotten in this trade if they didn't include him? I can't imagine the the Mets would have said no trading those four players for Francisco Lindor. It, I don't know. It feels like I yeah, don't know. Yeah, who volunteered Carrasco? Yeah, how'd that right, come yeah. up? What like, son of a bitch in the front office? What the hell? <laughs> and it's also because he was, I mean, he's literally weeks away from getting his 10 to 5 rights, which is 10 years in the league uh, or 10 years of service time, five with the same team, and then you can veto a trade anywhere. So he was. He's literally weeks of service time away from him. He would have got it in spring training and they treated him right before that, which just sucks. That's like one of the things you shoot for as a player if you're on the same team forever is that you have control over basically where, where you can spend here. the end of career. Yeah, because you can yeah. sign as a free agent, veto trades. But because at this point, he's not going to spend more than three years in any single place. Like it just, I just, I don't see that happening. Right. Yeah. At all. He's already, what, 32 or whatever it is. I mean, he'll, he's, he'll be with the Mets until I'm just pulling up this shit right now. Uh, He's not 22. No, sir. He's 33. He's going to be 34 this year. And like he's, his contract is up 2023. Uh, they probably won't resign him. And by then he's going to be 36 anyway. So yeah, but then it's, it's whatever, but yeah. I wouldn't have minded him writing out, writing it out in Cleveland. I mean, like, I, I guess maybe I'm excited for Cal Quantrill. I think he's going to be fun to watch, but um, I, I would assume he'd take over the last spot in the rotation. Now you got Bieber. Was it Bieber? Please X Savali, McKenzie, I'd assume. And then, um, like Quantrill, unless McKenzie goes to the bullpen or something, but um, it's just crazy that they still have a good rotation after trading Carrasco. It would have been better with him, but I think it's it's still crazy good without him. But um, but yeah, I, I think and even like their goodbye messages. I want to make it clear I don't fault Lindor for any of this, but I don't know if you saw the difference between their two. Um, Lindor just had a very clearly pre-produced um, like highlight reel of his plays in Cleveland that his message was. Much love, Cleveland, and that was like it. <laughs> then Carlos Carrasco wrote this big, long paragraph mm-hmm. about how much he loved the city. Like, I've never felt. I think we mentioned this before too. That like Lindor is is just a superstar, and it's like superstars everywhere. But like Carrasco felt like a Cleveland thing. Right. Like Jose Ramirez feels the same way, but it feels like more Lindor is baseball's superstar than Cleveland's superstar. It always felt like that to me. Like I was really happy to have him in Cleveland. I'm glad we got to watch him close for so long, but. I feel like he's always just a, a, a baseball treasure and Carrasco was supposed to be ours and like Jose Ramirez is, but now they're both, I mean, not both. Well, we can talk about the fact that Jose Ramirez. Well, is so, so, let's not talk about that this week. Man. <laughs> but Carrasco <laughs> is gone. <but>. No, <laughs> like you said, I, I agree. Like it's be, being a Cleveland fan. You don't really get a long time with super duper stars. So you find things about players that you like. And uh, if you said, make them your own. I mean, it just so happens that Jose Ramirez has grown up into a legitimate you know, superstar in his own right. I mean, arguably over the last couple of years, probably better even than um, than Lindor. 
but he's just not quite as charismatic, I guess. I don't know. I think he's charismatic. I think he's fucking. I think he's awesome. Quite honestly, I think he's the coolest. Oh yeah, uh, I think he's Carrasco, a better player yeah. too. Like he's he's a better on field and off player than Lindor. As much as I love Lindor, I think Jose Ramirez is probably a better overall player, just given how how well he hits. But but then, and then um, Carrasco was he was never the best he was never the best pitcher. But there was always that especially young a couple years ago, like it felt like if it all clicked at once, he'd be a, he could win a Cy Young. Like he was in lockstep with, or just like a step behind, like Kluber as being the second best pitcher on the team and. All this sort of a thing and this wonderful luxury we had, and this, you know, everyone was like, oh man, Kluber's so good and Bauer is so potential ridden. And then we're always like, yo, yo, motherfuckers don't even know about Carrasco. And it was cool. But now he's gone and it sucks. <laughs> and then now he's just like the tacked on guy on the trade, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's, if he, one again. Like he, he's throwing? What the, what's going on here? Come on. Like, it's funny how <laughs> twice now in his career he's been traded and both times he was a throw in. So that's, that's kind of funny. So what I'm <laughs> saying I think is he I was he, he was the main on. person in the other trade, but yeah. no, he was not. He was not, no. The other guy was he just in the Cliff Lee trade. Yeah, he was. He was not. No, he was not. He was. He was one hundred percent. He was not. He was years away from the from the uh, majors. The other guy was totally the the focus. He just couldn't. Who was the other guy? Stay man? healthy. Aaron Knapp. <laughs> I want to no. say. Well, he was like the equivalent of. Bizarre, he was like their sucks, top. But... He was one of their top pitching prospects at the time. Like, Carrasco was, the... was a prospect, though. It wasn't like a Michael Brantley thing where he was just a throw-in. He was a little oh, more. I, yeah, sure, but he but he was like deep down in the minors. Like it, he wasn't anything. This is the most contentious conversation we've ever had on this podcast. Because you're wrong, Merritt. Um, for let's see, was it Jason Knapp? Yeah, Jason Knapp was definitely the. Yeah, I remember Jason, and they got Lou Marson. That's. Hall of Famer Lou Marson. They got. I saw him hit his only home run in his career, so I was I was a person <laughs> for that one. I, I felt really special about that one. <laughs> now, man, uh, Jason Stark, when he wrote about the trade, I want to note that he said Carlos Carrasco first, and then Jason Knapp, because Carrasco yeah. was in AAA at the trade, and then Knapp was in Single A, and Lou Marson, who he said was the heir apparent to Victor Martinez. Of course, everyone was Jack. Well, right? yeah, <laughs> heir apparent to Kelly Shopik. That's what he was. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> I take that back. Oh, yeah. I did not see him hit his first career home run. I saw him hit his second career home run. Oh. Yeah, it was it was two years later, uh, but it still happened, and I was still happy about it. First, <laughs> first in Cleveland. So there you go. Yeah. Did Nappy even ever do anything? I know we're getting off topic again, but no, no, he right? he never he never got out of the minors. He just always hurt and stuff. Yeah. yeah, I mean he was good. Like the numbers were were fun, and you just struck everyone out and threw hard. But then it was just like, no, yeah, no. <laughs> but yeah, it's. I mean, it's what it is. It's. Him and Adam Miller, man. There's a name yeah. people don't remember. I mean, there's <laughs> a lot of... Be... <laughs> there's Matt Laporta. There's a lot... I guess there's Bradley Zimmer's word accounts, but there's a lot fewer just total busts At least Matt Laporta played in the lately. majors. I mean, yeah. uh, Adam Miller always had blister problems and he disappeared. I'll, I'll never forget him. He was like, oh, his blisters are far popping up again. Like, shit, he, <laughs> He's oozing all hands. over the baseball again. Get him out of here. Why don't you just do something? You know, I mean, come on. Like, catcher saying, yeah. Guys like... Uh, what's his name? Jorge Posada never have... Blister problems. Yeah, why can't you be Jorge Posada? What's wrong with why you? can't you be like Jorge Posada? Be on your hands. Come on now. It's good for you. Um, <laughs> now, but yeah. I mean, looking at what the Indians got back from it, it's, I mean, the, the other two, Green and Wolf, are not going to contribute to anything for a long time. But, I mean, Rosario and Jimenez, they're going to be up there right away. I thought it was interesting that. That would be the um, middle infield for the team, right? Yeah, I probably. Mean, that's the whole yeah. middle infield, yeah. It's yeah. also weird they didn't get a, a single outfielder in this deal. I would assume they want to move one of them to the outfield, maybe. I think Jimenez <laughs> has played the outfield in the minors, and Rosario was there like four innings last year when it was clear he wasn't going to be the shortstop. But um, I, I would assume, I think th- their plan just seems to be, unless they're just 
absolutely just hate outfielders. It's like to just grab a bunch of athletic middle infielders and convert them whenever they can, because that's what they have um, in their, their minor leagues. It's it's all infielders. They just keep getting more and more. It's like they see something they can just convert. Like they don't feel that it matters that you play outfield a whole lot, but I, I guess we'll see how that works out. Cause that's what they're doing with Nolan Jones. He was a third baseman and now he's going to be probably a left fielder. But um, I mean, as far as the roster what? next year, why do you think they're going to move one of these guys to the outfield? I mean, they don't have a second baseman, and they don't have a shortstop. I mean, they don't have no. outfielders. <laughs> well, they have bad outfielders. They, they literally have yeah. no infielders. Like, they have nothing there right now. They have an outfield. I'll, I'll describe it to you. It's uh... <laughs> Please don't. Okay. All right. That's fine. I don't really want to talk about it anyway. It makes you sad. <laughs> I mean, they do have Yu Chang that can play at second base. So, it's the same argument as the outfield. that It's, it's still bad, but it's still there. I mean, Naylor's going to be there, and they got Greg, no, Greg Allen. They have, what's his name? Their center fielder. You know, um, Greg Allen. Uh, Oscar Mercado? Oscar Mercado, and then they have, oh, fuck, who's the other guy? <laughs> There's Bradley's, uh, so what Roster Resource has, which is a fan graphs thing, um, they have it as Josh Naylor in left field uh, to start, obviously, because they're not going to call up Nolan Jones right away, but um, it's Naylor, Bradley Zimmer, and then Daniel Johnson, which seems really optimistic for Zimmer, but they have a lot Mercado of holes in this team, Matt. I just realized oh, there's man. a couple. Yeah, <laughs> they sort of made some more too by trading their best shortstop. And uh, one I never of really thought about it until just now. But Jesus Christ, <laughs> I'm just looking at it's, the... this is not a good looking lineup. If you look, so just to run down what roster resource has, which of course is not what it's going to land at, but they have Jimenez, Naylor, Ramirez, Reyes, Bowers, which that's something. <laughs> Jake Bowers at first base, Roberto Perez, Daniel Johnson, Rosario, Zimmer. Um, that is ugly. That's. I'm sure it won't look quite like that, and hopefully, very quickly, Nolan Jones will come up. But Run they got to add something, right? Like we can't be looking I at can't. this. I don't know. <laughs> can't we? <laughs> That's. I don't know, man. I mean, for I like mean, the third year in a row, Chris Anthony did say that they're going to reinvest the savings. So maybe this is the one. Maybe they're going to get a new whirlpool. <laughs> maybe they're going to get more ping pong. Maybe this is the year. I don't know. Maybe Who this is the, the ping pong they can get. Maybe they're going to flip uh, everyone they got in this trade for. Trevor Story, I don't know, something weird like that. That'd be a strange maneuver. I, mean, I think the two it. most likely like free agents are what Eddie Rosario and Jock Peterson are the outfielders. But again, those cost money, Merritt. We don't have that. We got to buy whirlpools. We can't be buying players. Does Jock Peterson really cost that much money, though? I mean, probably. What is that much point. money? I, I guess when you're when you're worried about twelve million dollars, <laughs> I, I, I guess that it is a lot of money. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's yeah. I, I just I realized I was looking at the, the baseball reference team from 2020. I realized how many of these people just aren't on the team anymore. <laughs> I was like, oh, damn, all these guys. Are like, let's see oh, the yeah, first deep. baseman, second baseman, shortstop, center fielder, right fielder that are listed as their most their highest played people are all gone. Well, uh, how many Ringo do you think Santana's from is gone? Sandy Leon is gone. Bradley Zimmer sucks. Mike Freeman's gone. Greg Allen's gone. Bo Taylor. When did Bo Taylor? Oh, yeah, he's Bo still Taylor. here. He's still on the 40 man roster. Yeah, okay. Yu Chang, this is the year, baby. Yu Chang is back. <laughs> Finally. Year. Um, I mean, he does have a chance. Wasn't it was Tito? Was it this year or is last year already blending in where he said he wanted to give Yu Chang a chance? I can't remember anymore. But, I mean, he could be a second baseman if they're going to move Jimenez in the outfield or something. But I, I do agree with you. I think they're probably going to be the two infielders. But Yeah. Just because I'm, I'm just – and the numbers aren't very – you know, we don't have a lot of sample size on it, but – Jimenez does rate very highly defensively as a shortstop, so that's a positive at least. And um, it's hard to rate high as a shortstop when you're playing on the Mets because their infield defense <laughs> as a whole wasn't very good, and so like you're having, you're being asked to do more. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. So 
it sucks again, but it's going to be ugly. Run prevention is once again the name of the game, which is depressing. Let me tell you. <laughs> We're really counting on a breakout year from, I guess, Jake Bowers Everybody. and Nolan Jones and Daniel Johnson, I suppose. <laughs> this team's going to be so young, dude. I don't know. I'm also getting, I'm, I'm getting that, that weird feeling I had back in 2013 when I was excited about a bunch of young guns trying their, trying their darndest in baseball. That is the other thing, though. Like, it's fun watching the young guys. It's instead of like bringing in Jock Peterson or whatever. If they're like, if they weren't on the the end of just dismantling everything, this would be probably a fun. This would be a fun 2015 team to watch with the where the Indians were then. Right. Like, if we were you there just, before everything happened, this would be a fun team. But I, I just realized something that we keep on monkeys pawing ourselves because a couple <laughs> years ago we were like, I just wish the games were more exciting and the, you know they were more of a fight. And then and then the Twins got really good. We're like, ah, damn. And now we're like. You know, remember the old days where we just watched all those young prospects come and get to write out of, write about neat new things coming up. Those were fun days, huh? And then like, okay, <laughs> no, 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 not this way, please, no. And so that's <laughs> that is what is happening. All the players are gone. Now, this team is mentioned... going to be predominantly under twenty five. Like, there's going to be a tremendous oh, yeah. number of people under uh, on in the or in the lineup rather between the ages of like well, definitely under twenty six. Outside of Jose Ramirez and Perez and. Is Bradley Luplo, Zimmer 26? I guess. Um, Bradley Zimmer is still 20. He's 27. Naylor's 23. I mean, Daniel Johnson's 24. This team's going to be... Yu Chang's still only 24. Mercado's 25. The old salt that he is. I mean, he does have the chance if all these guys like click and they all hit at the same time. It That's seems like scary. it could be... Yes. <laughs> Got to have at least yes. a little bit of optimism, right? Like, this is the kind of team where if it does happen... It's like 2016 all over again, where it's just a fun young team that comes up together and does a bunch of I things. I would say but. more 2014. Um, if, I, if I was going to pick a recent season where it feels like if things start clicking together, then it's going to be awesome. Because like then we were talking about like things like Michael Brantley exploding out of nowhere and becoming an MVP candidate. Yeah. Or uh, any all the different things that happened in 2014 were really exciting that led mm-hmm. them to get into the playoffs. Uh, so, no, you know, I mean, you're right. Like If they can actually get any of their young players to actually perform, then that's actually exciting. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're not going to allow a lot of runs. Is the thing they're going to take runs off the board defensively because they're still good at that, especially in the infield. Uh, Rosario is very good. Again, based on the numbers, Jimenez is very, very good. Um, Jose Ramirez, we've been watching for years now. We know how good he is. They're going to get more athletic at first if they, especially if they move um, Bowers there, and and Roberto Perez probably. I mean, he probably wins five games. I'll be honest with you. I think he wins by himself five games oh, yeah. a year for this team. Yeah. Like I, I think he is a. If we could actually chart it correctly, I think he is an eight win a year player overall, even despite hitting 165. Like, <laughs> he's just, he's so tremendous behind the play and defensively. I just, he's, so yeah, they're going to win games defensively as long as they can get a couple of gloves in the outfield. I think, do you know who we're missing year. here, though, Merritt? Who we're missing talking about? A first baseman. Um, neither of us mentioned them yet. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Fred Mio Reyes exists. No. Not Fernando Reyes. We mentioned him. Hell yeah! Technically, Woo! Bobby Bradley. All oh, right. <laughs> Way less exciting. The big dingers, though, Merritt. Come on, he's got to hit him eventually, right? I mean, Fernando Reyes is our big digger boy. We already have a big digger boy, and he's only twenty-four. I want two big digger boys. I don't want Jake Bowers. I want all these big, big digger, digger boys. <laughs> I mean, is Bobby Bradley like? Is he just done? If Jake Bowers is the opening day first baseman, I mean, like, what chances Bobby Bradley have to stick around in Cleveland? And it sucks if, because of what happened in. 2020 would not be able to be able to play right, right? Yeah. Uh, just in general so maybe he's good again i don't know there's it's weird to say there's a lot riding on spring training because like literally we've been able to write down most of the roster 
since about 2014. Like you look at the depth chart and you know starter and probably lead backup since then uh, with, without a few moving parts. But now we do not have any of that because, as I said before, nine, five of the nine batting order slots of most play players is gone. So maybe you're right. Maybe – I mean, this is his chance. I'm 100% in on it, man. I mean, if, if he can hit 230 with a 340 on base percentage and just basically become – it feels weird to say um, a poor man's um, – oh, who's your favorite player in the Rangers? You Joey Gallo? Joey Gallo. A poor man's oh, Joey boy. Gallo Joey of some Gallo. kind. I mean, you know, not someone like, – something more like what he did in – I would say 2018 would be a batting line that I'd be okay with seeing from him. 206, 312, 498 with 40 home runs. I'll take it, man. 200 and 200 some odd strikeouts, 75 walks. I mean, and then I can start I mean, writing articles. He's going like, to strike out a ton. Yeah. If he could just walk five more times, man, we're talking <laughs> about a superstar here. I love those articles. Yeah, uh, I mean, the team's going to be frustrating as hell, but don't get me wrong. It's tremendous content. We're going to have so much random little things to talk about. And then. So here's, here's a fun thing. Uh, Joey Gallo, uh, he didn't actually start playing in any real sense until 2017 when he was 23 years old. Now, how old is our new hero, Bobby Bradley? 23. Uh, He's 24, actually. Um, He'll be 25 this year. But still, maybe just because he had to take a year off, maybe he'll be good now and extra beefy. And this will be his year. So I'd be okay with that. You know, just just a big dinger boy. The kind... The kind of player that upsets old school people because like he's always striking out. He's hitting two hundred. <laughs> he's hitting one ninety eight. Hell yeah, he is. <laughs> there we go, baby. But do you remember that one home run that he hit? It's, it was literally only one, but good lord, he blasted that thing. Oh, it was, it was tremendous, destroyed. absolutely tremendous. I mean, he should just do what I do when when I'm playing MLB the show poorly. <laughs> just swing at every single pitch, and you'll connect forty times probably. <laughs> I don't know, right? <laughs> and one of those is going to go really far, really fast. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you'll probably pull a few really foul, like that one foul ball that uh, Mike Napoli had in what was that, the playoffs? In the World Series that basically hit out of the stadium, but the wrong way. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, Jennings I don't know. Just did his thing. Anyway, sorry, I missed... Uh, Miss Jeopardy tonight, sadly. I was busy prepping hard for this podcast. <laughs> By watching Jeopardy and Ken Jennings. I was not watching Jeopardy. I was working, Matt. Oh. I was working hard, <laughs> all right? Very, very hard. Just busting my bum. And we kind of did just sort of drift into, I guess, the state of the team, but we kind of did. But I mean, I guess yeah. my overall take on the on the on what came back. And and, and I think this is just how we have to be, because it sucks. I'm pissed because of the emotional thing of what the fuck are we rooting for here? Laundry? Yes. Obviously that's true. Rooting for a bunch of Ivy League. <laughs> so I, I read the Defector, uh, all the guys from um, Deadspin. Yeah. And uh, they, they started their own website, and I, I paid them money for some reason. I'm actually paying for news, Matt. Look at me. Uh, but Ray Ratto writes for them, and he was like, uh, he referred to like, general managers up as like Ivy League B students. And I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> like, they can't get a job at like Blackstone or something like that. <laughs> so but, uh, yeah. baseball team. We're just, um, yeah, we're just rooting for these Ivy League B students to to make the right move over and over and keep on spinning the wheel until so it comes up head or whatever red more often than not. And I guess that's what we're hoping for with basically this trade. Of course, I'm going to miss Francisco Lindor. He made some of the best plays I've ever seen. But benefiting me personally, Merritt Rolfing, he's coming to Washington D.C. like nine times next year, and I have a good friend who lives in New York City, and I can just drive out there, stay at his place, and go to Mets games. So. I can see him whenever I want now. Time was I couldn't because he played in Cleveland, and I don't live anywhere near Cleveland. So 
here's hoping for a uh, what do you call it? a vaccine, and then I can go and see some baseball. <laughs> a vaccine and a good road trip, and I'm good to go. There you go. There we go, baby. That's 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 the story of my life, or something. And I get to watch them on, uh, I guess not cable, because I don't, I, don't, I don't get that channel. I don't think on YouTube TV, but SN- I could technically SNY? watch them in my yeah SNY, which is a really good broadcast, by the way. Like I love our weird Rick Manning son, but oh, top five. SNY is really good. They're, they're actually good, not not not, not the weird, <laughs> not Rick Manning good. Where it's just kind of yeah. like our own. Our, we love him because he's weird and probably not good. They're actually like, weird, legitimately good. Our weird dumb uncle, <laughs> and of course <laughs> Matt, who we also love. I love Matt Underwood also. We do. He followed me on Twitter too. So now we're I know. Gonna, yeah, we, yeah, we're gonna we're yeah. gonna indoctrinate him. <laughs> just start talking about what was the thing we said? Like, just start messing up. Josh Naylor jumps over a ditch. <laughs> oh, <to practice. laughs> Josh Naylor's huge ditch that he used to jump over to practice. <laughs> well, I'll just keep mentioning that on Twitter and just hope that Matt Underwood mentions it on there someday. <laughs> He just can't remember where he saw it, but he knows. Like <laughs> Josh Naylor jumps over a huge ditch in his backyard. Yes, he does. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I can't, man. I miss baseball. I'm going to hear Rick Manning say. I know. Yes, he does. There it is. I, I want to see the Indians with Rick Manning do uh, the like the Nickelodeon broadcast that uh, that they did for the playoff game. I did not Bears watch that. Sense. I do not get Nickelodeon, so I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what ref- I don't. I don't get your references. <laughs> well, they had. So, I mean, obviously, like, the weird graphics, there was a slime and all that. But they also had somebody who was just, like, I guess a star from a Nickelodeon show who she never saw a baseball game, I guess, because she was acting as, what do you call that in the story, where, like, you're the the person who asks questions, so you get the, um, why am I blanking not, on that it's, term? It's not Mary Sue. No, it's, not Mary um, Sue. Like the, kind of, it's like you're the eyes of the audience, basically. Right, You're yeah. the, you're, yeah, you're the eyes was, of the reader. Yeah. But you're, you're the stand-in for the reader or something like that in a, in a story or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she was doing stuff like like when they threw a fly, like why they do that, and then um, Nate Burleson explained oh, it. But fun. I want to see like, yeah, and there was slime, and that was cool. But I want to see that with Rick Manning and Matt Underwood in the booth, and just <laughs> some like twelve year old superstar Nickelodeon trying to talk to Rick Manning. <laughs> He's like, "Why don't you know what a fly ball is?" It's a fly ball. It's a can of corn. What are you talking about? <laughs> just leaves it to the third inning. <laughs> Young Sheldon comes on the screen. He just gives up and just walks out. Hell yeah! He's I dumb. love this. Idea. I want to see Rick yes. Manning get slimed. That's really all it is. Um, no, his yeah. beautiful hair, Matt, and his teeth, <laughs> his shining teeth. It would slam. It, he'd be completely green, and then his teeth would just glow through it, and then mm-hmm. it would slide off his hair. What are you talking about, Mary? There's nothing that's, that's true. That. Yeah, he, he, it's he, like a duck. He's, <laughs> he's <laughs> what do you call that when the water doesn't affect it? But that's hydrophobic. There you go. I can't remember any words today, but hydrophobic is the one. I was Not me. About. I know all the words. <laughs> but as for um, our our favorite Cleveland baseball team, the the state of that they're in is what the last thing we'll talk about is. It's not great. <laughs> no. I think it's – I always have to use the caveat that it's not terrible either. They're not, like, completely void of talent. But I always had to, like, give a little asterisk that they shouldn't be here if they were willing to invest money. But without that, they're still a pretty talented team. They're still going to be a winning team. They could still probably get in the playoffs. But this is definitely a retooling year. And I think if you look at, like, where all these prospects are, the the ones that we've been talking about for years now where they've been down lower in the minors, I mean, that includes Nolan Jones for a long time, but, like, um, George Valera and – uh, Gabriel Arias, who they just got last year, but like all these guys are finally to the point where maybe next year or the year after they can start debuting. So I really think we're at a point where this year is just going to be sort of a down retooling year, not quite a full rebuild. And the year after that is going to be where they can start to compete again. I, it just sucks. We, I don't think we have to have this year if they were willing to put any money into it. But even without it, I think we're only like a year or two away from something resembling like a front running team. Again. I don't think it'd be a front runner this year at all. This is this is the epitome of just hope you get in and see what happens. <laughs> it was it was that way for a couple of years, but they were also really good. And this year, it is just literally 
good lord, sneak in there and hope you get hot. But no, yeah, exactly. And you look, like you look at the teams in their division in particular. Um, the Twins are still good, although I don't know if they're re- really making the moves to push the envelope at all. You know, like they may lose Nelson Cruz this year. Um, a couple of you know, I mean, they're not they're they're not separating themselves. And the I guess you could say the White Sox are starting to with some of the moves that they've made, but like they even they aren't really. They have gaps all over their lineup as well. They're, they're turning into their their own selves from a decade ago, essentially, where it was just three or four great players and a bunch of garbage. Uh, they don't even have Chris Sale. They're like they have their Chris Sale now is Lucas Giolito, who's good, but he's not Chris Sale good. Um, so it's like Cleveland definitely still has a chance to win. I mean, the rotation you might you touched before is going to be great. The bullpen's going to be better, probably. It's definitely a team built better for the the slog as opposed to the sprint, just because they'll be able to take. Uh, win, you know, runs away and win a couple of games on the margins here and there, and they'll they'll lose, you know, a bunch. I mean, a tremendous amount of games. Uh, maybe not tremendous. They'll probably lose seventy five games at least, eighty games, eight seventy five games. I'm comfortable saying they'll win eighty seven games. <laughs> I, mean, I think it's gonna be a winning team. I think it's gonna be closer. Oh than no, that's the thing. They're, any mean, just by... the, their problem. I'm mean, problem if you want to call it that is just that they've developed the thing so well that keeps you in games all season because it's. It's start. Their starting pitching is just too good. Like they're gonna win three out of every five days on average, probably. Like you just kind of, if you want to rolling it out, like you just odds are their 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 pitcher is gonna be better than yours. I um, mean, you know, obviously sometimes they'll run into a Savale versus I don't know who's an ace these days. Who's even good at pitching? Um, whatever Giolito game, Giolito will throw a one hit shutout. Savale will give up four runs, and we'll be like, this sucks again. God damn it. <laughs> And they'll lose, you know, they'll, they'll lose a ton of games, three to two and four to one, and uh, they'll win a lot of games, three to two and one to nothing. And um, and we'll hope that we'll hope that some of the young guys break out. Like you said, it's a retooling year. I mean, I'm, I've been wondering about like reinvestment looks like what? I guess they were paying what seventy million dollars a year or seventy million dollars last year in, in terms of payroll. And what is a good number? And it, let me ask you that. Well, what is a good number for a, for a major league payroll? Is it over a hundred million dollars now? Do you think that they should be spending a hundred million dollars oh, yeah. or more a year? I mean, like okay. where they were a couple of years ago, like what was it? A hundred, they were a hundred thirty, hundred forty million, right? Like somewhere. Yeah. Like, yeah. At the one, least yeah. that should be your yeah. quote unquote small market is paying that. I think 2019, they were $107 million or something like that. And I think, yeah. I think you're right. I think that's the number where they should be. And like, if anyone wants to say like, well, they can't afford Lindor, like what they're going to, pay him $30 million and the rest of the team $70 million combined. Like, yes, that's what they're going to do. That's the whole point of signing <laughs> people to have to early right. contracts I did with, with Ramirez and then having guys under rookie control so you can do that exact thing. Like, that's the exact answer. And they just can't do that. I, I don't know if I said this on the podcast or beforehand, but I just I, – I still think it's – um. It's just the front – it's the ownership trying to remove any long-term outlays of cash so that they're more attractive purchase. I mean – yeah. The team's still worth a billion dollars, and every contract that's if they sign Lindor to a you know a three hundred million dollar contract over ten years, that is if anything less attractive to a potential buyer because it's it's a liability that they have to worry about ten years down the road. So, yeah, um, I don't know if you saw it today, but there was um, Paul Hoynes was talking about uh, uh, like Lindor at his Mets press conference and stuff. Lindor said it was basically what Lindor said was he didn't think Cleveland had the resources or that they were, they didn't say they had the resources. It was nice to be in a place that has the resources to potentially resign him. But um, Hoynes sort of just dropped a bomb in the middle of it and said that the Indians offered between 225 and 250 million 
but Lindor wanted 350 million. We haven't gotten like that specific amount for from anybody. Like Terry Pluto has said it was like a hundred million apart, but we got that exact number. So it's either like the Indians, they think they have that much to spend over the next 10 years or whatever, or they knew Lindor wouldn't accept it and they just didn't want to look like they weren't trying. I don't know which one it is, but if it's the former, then in theory, they have like 25 million a year that they're planning to spend, which would be cool, which is, I mean, whether that's re-signing, like extending Shane Bieber or um, Jose Ramirez, but whatever it is, I mean, they they seem like they might have it. I just don't know if if they intended to actually pay that or not. No, and that, and that's, and I, and I will say that, I mean, that's, that's a normal, I, I don't know. I mean, he's worth more than that. And I think he deserves more than that. It's just, I don't think he was willing to accept that anyway. I think, I mean, maybe they do. Maybe they have a quarter billion dollars to blow on a single player, but it's got to be the right player. And he was the right player to do it. I mean, I don't know if they're going to try to get that with Jose Ramirez too. He'll be a little bit old by then, but. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess yeah, the I guess thing is like, did they actually have it though? Or did they think he just, they just knew he wouldn't accept it and they didn't want to look like they weren't trying like they just said like oh we're we're gonna offer him this and it's clearly way too low and then maybe lindor was insulted by that at some level and that's why he had such I a just, short goodbye message but that's, that's kind that's of inferring a like, lot I, but. like i just uh, we were talking about this on the slack the other day I, I didn't really put together the fact that they're making basically a hundred million dollars before they sell a single ticket i mean yeah. that's crazy the fact that i mean and they have more expenses than just the players obviously they have to pay the lease on the park and they have to pay the other people who work there and but how, how much can that cost? $25 million? Probably not even that much. I have no idea. Um, and they haven't sold a single ticket, but at the same time, like, and so, you know, I mean, obviously they're playing it that close to the vest. That sucks ass, and they shouldn't own the team in the first place. Um, but yeah. Yeah. No, they I actually know. saw I, that, like, they're using it to actually generate revenue, which is probably a thing that sucks. It's not like Steve Cohen, where it's just, it's a toy for him. This is what how they actually make money, which is, seems right. like a terrible idea. And it's terrible for everybody involved. For them, if this is how they're trying to make a living, and for us, because we have to watch them right. and I work think, their and finances. That's just, <laughs> like, that's just where, yeah, we have to worry about what, what, what TurboTax <laughs> comes back for them. It's like, oh, well, I hope they get their stimulus. Oh, no. <laughs> they really need that $2,000 check, let me tell you, man. Hope Otherwise, the Tesla they're investments screwed. are paying off soon. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, good, yeah. Good thing I invested in, uh, in, in, in Litecoin. Did you say Bitcoin? No, Litecoin. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, there, there goes Carrasco and Lindor. So, yeah, no, it just, it's, yeah. it'd be cool if they could afford a $125 million payroll. Something that's not even huge in the scheme of the game itself. Uh, that's about average, probably below average yeah. at this point, but that's just not where this team in particular stands like there's this, there's this certain underclass in a turn in way, in, a, in one way or other of, of teams and Cleveland happens to be one of them. Um, because as you put it, as you, as you, as you said, they are owned by a group of people who need, who need this to make their payment who, to afford their house. I assume, I don't even know, you know, like, like I almost would prefer an owner like the Rockies have where he's rich as ass, but he just is, you know, bad. He's just shitty. and doesn't want to spend money or something. Um, or the you know whatever who I don't know, just some team who are, at least I know they have like the A's you know at least I know they have money. He's just being a jerk. Like it's it's almost sad that the Indians owners are just like, sorry guys, we just I can't make rent this month. <laughs> we got to shut a couple outfielders here. We can't afford. Them. Yeah, we got to. We're, we're we're cutting out dollar dog night. Sorry, <laughs> we, can, we can't afford it. Like, it's now two dollar dog night. We need the money. They're hot dogs. We're just doing. For, for, we we got. It. I'm sorry, guys. First thousand hot dogs are a dollar. After that, they're going up to two. Gee whiz. So, um, yeah, that's like you said. That's that's kind of where the state of the team is. They just 
they, they, they do everything right until the fact that they have to spend the money. Yeah. And I don't know, just it, lowballing a Francisco Lindor of all people is not going to work. He's not going to play for $25 million a year. That is life-changing. That is 10 times what life-changing money would be to me. But at the same time, uh, he's worth more than that. And he's... Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.